Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's Friday, January the 19th. Your Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. On today's show for Oh What a Week, talking the top stories of the week, Ben welcomes Jawan Hall Bertrand. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, well, you should probably spend some time at ChicagoReader.com because you can find all that and other great stories from great reader writers just like Ben Jarofsky. Oh, and if you want more Ben Jarofsky, head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. I'll spell that for you. J-O-R-A-B is in victory. S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Kareem Says It So Friday, and here's why. Actually, it's over a week uh, where we sort of review things that have been going on uh, for the previous week. In this story, we're going to be, like, reviewing things that have been going on for the previous 400 years, not just a week. We're going to take, yeah. we're, uh, uh, we got Juwan Hall, uh, an old friend who hasn't been on the show in a long time. Been a uh, the, the wheel and the dealing to get him on the show, man. I'll tell you what, it was harder. It was, it, I think it was harder to get the Bulls back together uh, and not and to celebrate the 95, 96 season than it was to get Juwan Hall on the show again. I'm just kidding. But let me just, before I bring Juwan on, just uh, tell you guys what I mean about Kareem. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the greatest basketball players who ever lived. I think we all would agree on that. What you may not know is that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar writes a weekly newsletter. I am a huge fan of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's newsletter. I say this as a Bulls fan. That's kind of weird, but Kareem played for the Milwaukee Bucks. He played for the Los Angeles Lakers, and he was always destroying, breaking my little heart by uh, leading his team to a victory over my beloved Chicago Bulls. So when I was growing up, and even into my 30s, I was like, oh, dastardly Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But as a public intellectual, as a thinker, I believe he's second to none. Once a week, ladies and gentlemen, his column comes out and he just explores all kinds of issues, current issues, goes back in history. Then he shows his love for music. The man has an incredible understanding of music. Yeah, I'm going to give you a, here a, a shout out of publicity for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who doesn't need publicity for me. Uh, but I'm just in awe and appreciation of what he does with his newsletter. Today's newsletter dealt with the issue of Donald Trump. There were two issues that I want to uh, talk about today. Uh, one is the issue of racism in America. Uh, and the other is the issue of Donald Trump not signing the loyalty oath uh, here in Illinois. If you declare that you're a candidate statewide in Illinois, uh, it's not required, but they ask that you sign a loyalty oath saying that you're not going to overthrow the government and that you're not a member of the Communist Party. Now, 
when this story broke, shout out Dave McKinney, WBEZ. He was the one who broke the story. Uh, I had kind of, I said this on the mic. I said, well, you know, I don't like loyalty oaths. Uh, they're, they're a product of the Red Scare. And they're a product of McCarthyism. And so personally, I object to it. So I did not object. I did not feel like this passion about Donnie Trump not signing the loyalty oath. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar weighed in today. Somehow or other, that story found its way to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Shout out again, Dave McKinney. Come on, that's pretty good. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar reflected on your story. And here's his take. And I'm going to read you uh, what he had to say. I'm not bothered by the fact that he, Trump, did not sign the oath. If he had made a public statement denouncing such oaths as both illogical and pandering, I would have been impressed. After all, anyone intent on overthrowing the government would happily sign such an oath to divert suspicion. Here's why Trump's refusal is troubling. Because he signed the loyalty oath twice before. Not signing it this time is making a specific statement to his violent insurrectionist supporter that he's ready to overflow, overthrow the government if he doesn't win. Maybe he'll even overthrow it if he does win because he's already told us he's willing to suspend the Constitution to punish his critics, to fire everyone in the government who isn't loyal to him. Perhaps he'll have to sign loyalty oaths to him. It's truly shocking to me that Republicans refuse to acknowledge how dangerous Trump is to the continuation of our democracy. It's not like he's been subtle about it. Trump's become bolder about his disdain for America every day. To him, it's a bank account that he could drain and leave the country morally broke and in political shambles. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you are so right, right, right. If a man has a lifelong principled opposition to loyalty, is he, if he is, in fact, a libertarian, and by the way, even libertarians aren't libertarians on this issue. Libertarians basically in this country are just like Republicans who are too chicken to admit they're Republicans. So if he has a lifelong uh, opposition to this, if he's a lifelong member of the ACLU, just think about that and laugh, Donald Trump and the ACLU, then yes, that's a principal stand. But if you don't sign the loyalty oath after having signed it twice before, if you don't sign the loyalty oath after acknowledging that Roy Cohn, who's one of the red-baitingest lawyers of all time, who sat by McCarthy, during the McCarthy hearings, that is your idol. That is your mentor. If you don't sign the oath now, then you're essentially sending a message, just like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, to your fellow insurrectionists that you are going to overthrow this government. You are going to end democracy now. I absolutely agree with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and it just reaffirms my sense of how dangerous this moment is, what a threat it is to democracy. Anyway, thank you very much, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Without further ado, I'm going to uh, introduce my dear friend, Juwan Hall. Welcome back, sir, to my humble podcast. I uh, I agreed uh, to do this before we started, so let me get it. Juwan, uh, his day job is for Congresswoman Robin Kelly. Shout out, Robin Kelly. Maybe one day you'll come on my show. But uh, I want to say this right now. Juwan is here representing and speaking for Juwan. And he's not speaking on behalf of any elected official or, or in any official capacity. The man, ladies and gentlemen, I think even MAGA would agree, has a First Amendment protected right to speak his mind. He speaks for himself. He doesn't speak for anyone else. He speaks for Jawan Hall. So don't give him grief, ladies and gentlemen. 
furthermore, I'm going to go one step further. The man is a Marine. Okay, he served our country. And if he doesn't have a right, well, we all have rights. You don't have to serve the country uh, to have a right for free expression. But I'm just pointing that out. Man served his country. So leave him alone. And leave his boss alone. Come to me if you got a complaint, okay? All right, Juwan, is that good enough? That's cool, Ben. I think we good. Am I frozen on your screen? Because you kind of froze up on my... Are we good? Yeah, you're good. After all, every now and then it freezes. That's that's where we're at right now. In the old days, I had a, a studio, and then COVID came and kicked me out of the studio, and now we're dependent on a, on technology. Lord helps you. us. A to the next. Uh, but you're okay. coming in loud and clear. All right, uh, cool. Yeah, so uh, welcome back, Cotter, to my humble little podcast. Thank uh, you for having me. Yes, sir. All right, your thoughts. Let's uh, let's just start with your just opening thoughts on uh, Donald Trump and the threat he represents to democracy. Uh, I take it very seriously. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, as do I. Um, I think that we are underestimating just collectively the real threat that he is. I mean, obviously, it's, it's folks out there trying to, like, fight to keep him off the ballot, right? So you got the lawsuits that came out to get him off the ballot. Um, of course, he's got these, you know, four federal or four, uh, four criminal cases against him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult watching him do what he's doing. It's, it's, it's hard to imagine how 50% of Iowa showed up 50% of the Republicans in Iowa um, voted for him. Um, it's difficult to know that he, I mean, he just ran a, a practice overthrowing the government on January 6th, right? Like that was his practice run. Um, and it's scary to think what he might do if reelected. Um, it's even scary to think how close the election was when Joe Biden beat him four years ago. Um, I think it was like 30 or 40,000 votes over like four states, like an average of about 10,000 votes. So what, Wisconsin, Georgia, um, Arizona, I think it was Nevada was the other one, maybe. Yes, sir. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, 10,000 people. That's either 10,000 not showing up or, you know, 10,000 from the other side showing up. And that's an L. And who knows what the country is going to look like after that. Um, so yeah, it's very scared, very scared. I, uh, I don't mean to go down too far down this road because there's other things I want to talk to you about, but, uh, I read with just a sense of, of, of irony, uh, Donald Trump's lawyer's brief to the Supremes, the mm -hmm. U S Supreme court, uh, uh, explaining why in, in their humble opinion, uh, or in their very not so humble opinion, uh, the uh, Colorado uh, Supreme court should be overruled. The Colorado Supreme court said that Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. Uh, and as such, he should not be allowed to be on the ballot to run for president because it violates stipulation in the uh, 14th Amendment. Uh, and uh, so they were bending over their backwards to dismiss. It's so funny, man. Donald Trump he go, himself will make all kinds of bo uh, bodacious uh, proclamations about they're, they're stealing our gov they're stealing our democracy. They've stolen the election. They have uh, subverted uh, uh my my candidacy and we must uh, challenge them you know he, he's very open about what he wants and then when the lawyer <laughs> when it comes time to be accountable for mm -hmm. for what he says there are lawyers in the supreme court oh i was just talking i was just giving a speech you mm -hmm. know <laughs> 
Donald Trump, by the way, never served America. Just so you know, of course uh, not. Of course, Paul was uh, a Marine, but John, but they say he has a First Amendment right even without having served America. Your thoughts? Go ahead. Um, I think that there has to be some level of accountability around the things that he's doing. And that's that's really kind of what the issue is. Like, how do we get to a point of accountability for him? And I don't I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that can look like. And with the the Supreme Court currently being constructed the way it is. Right. That's one of my frustrations with the other side. Right. The other side of the aisle. Like, what are we doing collectively to actually make make Trump irrelevant? I mean, in my opinion, I think he should be just ridiculed to the point to where like he he doesn't feel so empowered to do the things he's doing right but it's hard to ridicule somebody who has no shame and i think that's kind of like where we're at with him how do we how do we hold him accountable i think the the, the folks in the court system are trying right i mean we we do see the prosecutors who like have these cases against them they're trying their best but at the same time there's you know it's checks and balances that have to be met and trump is really really good at delay 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 and deny and so, yeah, I hope we can get to a point of accountability. Maybe that will stave off uh, another presidency by him. But, yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to eventually the conversation of voter turnout because that'll be the key uh, yeah. to staving off that. And that's uh, something that's actually the first conversation Juwan ever had. I uh, ever had on a microphone about voter turnout, uh, mostly in the city of Chicago. But before we get to that. All right. Let, let, let's back up and have uh, this conversation uh, that we've been having for a long time. We've never had it on the mic. Uh, so you should, something you should know about uh, Juwan Hall. He shares my love for basketball. Uh, he obviously is better at basketball than I was. He was a better player than I was. Must concede that. And he comes from great uh, lineage. His uh, grandfather uh, Joseph Bertrand was a great basketball player at Saint Elizabeth's uh, back in the fifties and played at Notre Dame. So okay, I make that concession. But uh, we see eye to eye on, on this one particular issue with our love for basketball. And this has to do with our beloved Chicago Bulls. Juwan and I believe, I'm going to try to summar, summarize this, Juwan, and then you tell me if I get it accurate. We believe that the reason why the Bulls have struggled since 1999, 1998, when Michael Jeffrey Jordan uh, left and that great championship team broke up, is that there's a curse on the Chicago Bulls. We, I used to I say this and people would laugh at me, and then Juwan goes, he said it to me independently. He... He had the same theory, and it's the Michael Jordan curse. It is the curse. It's it the, curse. the curse. Yeah. And so the ba- basic premise of the curse is Michael Jeffrey Jordan is the greatest player ever played the game of basketball. If just in pure terms of basketball, he was a gift that the Chicago Bulls stumbled on yeah. and were very lucky to stumble on it and benefited tremendously from it. Six championships that Michael Jeffrey Jordan essentially built the United Center. And Pretty we much, they fill yeah. the United Center to this day, Juwan. People coming yeah. in just like hoping the ghost of Jordan will return and show up for the Bulls. But no, it hasn't happened yet, but it may happen tomorrow. I'm going to the game tomorrow. So it's like the Bulls owe Jordan so much. And what did they do? They handle it euphemistically as I can, so poorly when his mm-hmm. career in the 98 team closed out. You could say they kicked him out of town. You could say they eagerly could not wait till he left so they could, quote-unquote, rebuild and show yeah. how smart they were. 
it's equivalent to what the Boston Red Sox did with Babe Ruth when they just dumped the greatest baseball player of all time back in the day, 19, whatever it was, 17, 18. I don't know when it was. I wasn't even born then. I'm old, but I'm not that old. And so they had a curse. With the Bulls, the curse is every time the Bulls look like they might make a run, might be good, someone gets injured. Yep. Eric Rose gets injured. Yep. John Rondo gets injured. Paul Gasol gets injured. Eddie Curry has heart issues. Every time uh, Jason Williams has a motorcycle accident and uh, ruins every time. Yep. You can just predict Lonzo Ball, right? Lonzo yeah. Ball. Lonzo out Ball. Out of nowhere. Suddenly he hasn't played it over two years. It is a curse, Joan Hall. You agree with me on that? I completely agree with you. And I'll, I'll go a step further on how, how do they can break the curse. Um, I think you just you just highlighted that they they owed him so they owed Jordan so much um because he gave so much. And I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they owe Jordan a reparations package. Um that's the only way that they can overcome this curse. Um, when I say reparations, I specifically mean recompense for everything that was that he gave and wasn't compensated for. And I know that's hard to for a lot of folks to probably like even wrap their mind around because he's the wealthiest athlete in the world, right? The wealthiest basketball player to ever play the game. The only person that may come close to him is LeBron because of all the endorsements and hype and because who have we been comparing LeBron to his entire career? Michael Jeffrey Jordan, right? Um, but Jordan's reparations, I mean, when we look at how he even left the team, I think that was just completely messed up, right? When he retired that second time, what should have been offered to him was an ownership stake in the team. Um, he also should have been offered an opportunity to, to uh, serve in some sort of like GM capacity or advisor capacity. Um, but he really should have been just really inculcated into the entire, like, dynamics of everything that there was to be with the Bulls. I mean, he spent the majority of his career here before we forced him out of town, right? Um, and even when when the Bulls knew that he was looking into ownership, right, when he came back around that, that time with Washington, he should have been, like, brought back into, you know, the team with open arms. Um, so it's really unfortunate to see, like, that's how it played out. It's really unfortunate that the Bulls are, like, going through what they're going through post-Jordan. Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why he didn't come, right, for the, the Ring of Fire event. Um, or Ring, Ring of, of Honor. The Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. <laughs> right, right, the Ring of Honor. Oh, I could go on and on about that. But go ahead. I, go I mean, ahead. Ring yeah, of so Honor. Like, why, why would I come back? I mean, he's a billionaire, right? He's looking at Reinsdorf as an equal like I, I don't, I'm not coming out my bed for anything, you know, that's not worth it. Um, and that really would have been, that would have been a great way, I think, to even like start getting him to, uh, to come to come back around around more. Is had they been having like some sort of ownership conversation with him. Um, so yeah, I don't know. If I'm if I'm Jordan, I'm not showing up to nothing unless there's an ownership discussion like in the works, even if it's a minority stake. Um, which it shouldn't be. It should be, you know, at least a 50-50 deal um, with the Reinsdorfs. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm very flustered at how the Bulls have behaved post-Jordan, and I'm very frustrated with the team's uh, lack of success post-Jordan. So, 
Uh, all right, so let's break this down. Uh, the first time Juwan suggested this to me, I was walking down the street to the library. We were having a phone, phone conversation. I was laughing out loud. The concept of America doing reparations for black people is like so mind blowing for America to deal with. Okay. <laughs> the idea of reparations applied to one of the wealthiest black men in America had me laughing out loud. And I said to Juwan, you know what? Jordan will get it before anybody else does. That's how it's our not, country, we have a capitalist not. country. Well, so, like, so no, no, no. But let's say this though, about reparations in general, right? Like it is happening right now. So like, you know, Evanston has a reparations program in the works. There is a congressional bill um, to create a, uh, a set of recommendations um, to address slavery. Um, the state of Illinois, we have a reparations commission that's currently in place um, statewide. And the state of California, if I'm not mistaken, they recently had a commission that was in place as well that produced a report with recommendations. So reparations is definitely happening. It is in process. Um, it's just a matter of like what it looks like and what that timeline is going to be for it to be fully um, implemented uh, with folks who have are descendants of enslaved Africans. So uh, that is true. Uh, it, it could be. It'll probably happen long after I'm gone, if uh, if it happens at all. But there is an sort of an evolution on this topic, and it is being discussed. You're absolutely correct. Uh, only in one party, I would point out. Reparations is We'll get to Nikki Haley uh, in a little while. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just want to point that out. Like everything else in a, in this country, like even climate change, it only is being discussed on the Democratic side. The other side is acting as though uh, it's a hoax. Yeah. The reparations, climate change, et cetera, and so forth. Let's point that out. Uh, America, as you consider who you're going to vote for uh, in this upcoming election. You may not be happy with Joe Biden's position on any of this, but it is only the Democratic Party that's even discussing this stuff. The Republican yeah. Party's complete denial. Well, um, it's, some, it's some independence talking as well, but, you know, independents don't win. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's Cornell West, who's running as a third-party candidate, <laughs> it believes in reparations. You're correct. I said correct. And talk of the two main parties. Uh, Yes. All right. Um, and it's not like any MAGA person in the world is going to I'm going to vote for Cornell West for president on the grounds that he's for reparations. Uh, so anyway, uh, so when I said the, the Bulls got, uh, got to beat that curse and then you had a great I was laughing out loud. You had a great suggestion what the Bulls could do. The number one thing they could do just to get the ball going a little bit. Uh, do you remember what that suggestion was? No. What did I say? You know, I go by the house. these things, man. Like, I'm just, you know, what did I say? You, you said what the Bulls should do, what they should start off with, is buy that house. I was laughing. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, they got to buy the house. They got to buy the house. Turn it into a museum. Yes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the first piece, right? Because, you know, what's happening with it? Nothing. You know, <laughs> they got to buy the house. That's, that's a part of the deal. That's a part of the deal. That's the first piece of the deal, actually. Buy the house, yeah. make it a museum. Um, kind of like uh, what's that place that McCormick has? Cantigny Park? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. That's, all right, that's time out. Just so people know, don't follow these things. All every Bull fan know what Juwan's talking about. Michael Jeffrey Jordan's house, which is out somewhere like in Lake County, I don't know, Highland Park, Deerfield. I apologize once again to North Shore residents. I always get those suburbs mixed up. 
doesn't really matter where it is. It's somewhere out there. It's just enormous mansion surrounded by, uh, surrounded by a gate with 23 you ever see the no, oh, it says 23 he can't sell it ladies and gentlemen the man poor guy's been trying to sell that house for how long do you want like 20 forever. years forever <laughs> not, like who who's who's gonna use a mansion with the number 23 what is it like in gold numbers or something on the gate like what am i gonna do with that <laughs> And it's got a basketball court. It's got a full really? basketball court. Yeah. No, so it's kind I'm... of a side joke among Bulls fans. Jordan can't sell his house. Man, he, man needs help. By the way, the other thing, Juwan, is just on the side. He's richer than rich, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Okay? But this is how competitive he is. He could sell for a loss. But he doesn't want to do losses. You follow what I'm saying? Of course so not. he's pulling out for someone to come to meet his price. Yeah. And the Bulls got it. They got it. So you think number one is that the Bulls just meet his price, buy the mansion, and turn it into a museum? That's the first one. Yeah, that's the first one. Yeah. It's got to be part of it. Uh, yep. I, yep. I, I can't see in a million years. And the second part of it, I can see it. I mean, that is a possibility. Yeah, a remote possibility. Who knows? I mean, I don't, I don't think the Bulls care enough to get rid of the curse to like, you know, even like in, entertain any of these ideas. So, like, they make the bottom line every year because, like you said, we fill up the, we fill up the stadium just on the nostalgia alone. Stop nostalgia alone, just to uh, just to be close to the ghost of Jordan. Yes, <laughs> and I am as guilty as anyone of that. Uh, yes, I go to uh, a part of a season ticket plan. I'm going to the game Saturday. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm good. Oh, I, Joanna, have you been to a Bulls game lately? Aren't you kind of boycotting the Bulls? Say it again. Aren't you kind of boycotting the Bulls? I ain't necessarily boycotting, but I'm just, I mean, I'm not. My fandom is no longer where it was. So I'm, uh, instead of a 10, I'm probably at like a solid four. As far oh as my God. Four. That's. I'm a solid four, you know. If if yeah. something happens, it might take me up to. They make the playoffs, I might go to like a five, maybe a six. Yeah. Yeah, um, I give them, I give them some lukewarm support. Yeah, very Luke. Uh, more Luke than warm. Uh, let's get to the issue of reparations itself. All okay. kidding aside, about Jeffrey Jordan. Uh, although I do believe that something needs to be done to break that curse. And I also agree that the Bulls aren't in any hurry to break the curse either because life is good for them anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also agree completely uh, that the reason Michael Jordan didn't go to the Ring of Honor game uh, last week, the one you all know about it because that's where the fans and their infinite idiocy booed Jerry Krause, uh, was because he's got a grudge against know, everybody with the Bulls these days. The older he gets, the more grudges he's seen he gets. Uh, so I agree with they, you. They did them dirty, Ben. What was it? <laughs> Didn't he sign like a contract, like his rookie contract or something? It was like a million dollars a year for like six or seven years or something. They had him under con like a terrible contract. It was horrible. Well, okay, so timeout. So all right, here we go. Uh, he was under. He was quote in the in, in the context of national uh, NBA players. He was underpaid. Yes, definitely underpaid. Yes. In the context of the real world where people like me and Juwan exist, you got more money than we'll ever see in our life. But in the context of the NBA, he was underpaid. Uh, his last two years, 
he uh, re- rectified that by signing one-year deals, were each one worth, over, I think, roughly thirty, 30 million. million. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then Reinsdorf had freaking insult Jordan. I don't. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Jordan, just pop it in my head. Jordan cited this when Jordan signed uh, the last contract. Reinsdorf mm-hmm. made a joke about uh, something along the lines: "Was well, it the dumbest thing I've ever did?" Or you know, I've spent more money. I don't even know if I should do that. He made a joke about it. You know what I'm saying? That just irritated him. Yeah. yeah. He's like, bro, I'm I'm generating 100 mil easily. <laughs> I'm not worth a third? Uh, all right. So. Uh, digress. They, I digress. So they, the concept of uh, reparations as, yeah. as a whole. Yeah. Uh, number one in the arena of sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Uh, you and I are both uh, fans of William Rowan's book on this subject, uh, $40 million slave. Uh, so why don't you talk a little bit about the concept, uh, and you were just sort of alluding to it, that the greatest basketball players, as highly compensated as, as they are, uh, are not fully compensated for their value taken away. Well, I mean, just in, in a nutshell, right, um, black athletes have existed and black athletes have been relatively wealthy for a long time in the United States, going all the way back to slavery. Um, so even during the enslavement period in the U.S., um, there were owners who would sometimes force their enslaved uh, enslaved persons to fight against each other. And some of these folks will receive prize purses. Some of these folks purchased their freedom. Um, but at the same time, these folks were still limited. They still were enslaved. Their, uh, their personhood was still owned by another person. Um, and that's, that's essentially been somewhat of, of what's been the trend, right? Throughout the time that black athletes have existed and have been in the nation. Um, even when you are being well paid, you still don't have complete ownership of self. Um, and that's, you know, going through black jockeys because black Jockeys were primarily black at one point in this nation. Um, that's the uh, Jack Johnson was highlighted um, in the book as well. Um, and, you know, coming all the way up until now, what we see, uh, what we see kind of like the, uh, what's the term he used? Kind of like a, a conveyor belt of athletes, right? From the AAU system through colleges and then into, you know, professional sports. And so in order for athletes, in order for black people in general, just to like have, um, have recompense for all of those, those horrible things that, that took place during enslavement and post-enslavement, um, you have to have some sort of a package to rectify that. Um, and reparations is, you know, one way to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think in the book, William Roden does a really good job at kind of like just highlighting the various ways in which black athletes have uh, have lost, well, not even necessarily lost, but how they've been limited um, in exercising their power um, since being brought to America. And, um, yeah, reparations is just one way in which we can kind of like overcome that as an issue. Or at least it's a, it's a, it's a start to trying to overcome it, right? And that's the whole thing. So reparations isn't the end-all, be-all. It's not a silver bullet. Um, even after we get reparations, we'll be fighting to keep reparations. I tell mm-hmm. folks that all. 
Um, because the moment that it passes, you know, God willing, there's going to be somebody who disagrees that's going to court to sue over it, right? I can, I can imagine in a perfect world that we get a national reparations bill passed, there would be some sort of conservative legal challenge saying that there's a, a equal rights um, protection issue, right? So you literally using the 14th Amendment, which was used to give a level of personhood to formerly enslaved people, using that same amendment to restrict any sort of just compensation for that. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of like where we are, you know, the fight continues. I think that book is like just one, one way of uh, providing some of the intellectual heft that we need to like make uh, the the argument for reparations. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of like where, where we at with the things. All right. So uh, let me, uh, before we get to a situation where this country, uh, the law uh, providing for reparations is challenged, and you're absolutely correct, it will be challenged. Affirmative action was challenged. Affirmative mm-hmm. action was, but just people know this, affirmative action programs were uh, supported by Democrats and Republicans in the late 60s, early 70s. Richard M. Nixon, a Republican, was mm-hmm. supportive of affirmative action programs, ladies and gentlemen. Go back, you can read it. Now, of course, affirmative action, uh, somehow or other, uh, they're pretty clever, these Republicans. They took one sentence from Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech and have used that as the club against affirmative action, even though Martin Luther King's entire life, he was dedicated to the notion of affirmative action. So it will be challenged. Juwan, you're mm-hmm. absolutely correct. If by some highly unlikely uh, situation, a reparations bill is passed. And part of the reason it will be challenged is because the prevailing notion that now exists in the Republican Party in MAGA, uh, and this gets to Nikki Haley. Uh, So let me do a little introduction to get your thoughts. Uh, So this all, Nikki Haley has found herself uh, in this uh, debate, if you will, uh, going back to like a week or so ago when she was asked by a voter, I think it was in New Hampshire, uh, what was the cause of the Civil War? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she could not bring herself to say that slavery was the cause of the Civil War, ever, even though slavery was the cause of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. The, the Confederate, the South pulled out of the Union in order to defend their right to enslave people. That's mm-hmm. why they did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, duh, they said it, too. And now, yeah. Yeah. They said it, Jawan. Like so finally, this debate has followed her. You know, and so the other day she was asked, I think it was Jake Tapper uh, on his uh, talk show or his uh, news show uh, about the issue of, is America a racist country? And she said, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, there have been moments of racism in our country, but America is not a racist country. And in fact, people who say America is a racist country are doing a disservice to black people and brown people. because that enforces the notion that they can't get ahead. So we should all do a favor to black people by saying, I'm, I'm just trying to say this with a straight face, that by no, it's saying, hard, right? yeah, it's hard, that America is not a racist country. Because then black kids can go, oh, it's not a racist country. I could do anything I want. All right, Juwan, your response. It's not a racist country, but... I think uh, when I read the article that you sent me about the Kareem I wrote, um, one of the things he highlighted was 
this last year, 2023, there were more police shootings in that one year than had been documented in the last 10 years since it was being um, accounted for by this like research uh, group. And I think it's such a disservice to pretend as if racism doesn't exist. Um, and that, I mean, that in and of itself is racist, right? Like just denying the racism that is literally taking people's lives um, and limiting people from living full lives as well. Um, but I'm gonna say about Nikki Haley, she's, she's pandering to a certain group of folks, right? So, I mean, and that's, that's the politics. I mean, the, rather than like, rather than lie, about what races about racism not exists, and I think you know we would do ourselves um, we would do ourselves a better service by at least like just embracing the fact that like no this is racism is the thread that binds us together. That's what it is, right? It is it is the foundation of America. Um, the the three fifths clause exists because enslaved enslavers wanted to figure out a way to properly account. But as slaves, right? How do we properly account for the fact that um, your personhood and economic uh, viability are now owned by somebody else? Um, and so, like that, and this is it's still in our constitution, right? Even when you put in the context of thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth amendments, they really don't do anything but but reconstruct the three fifths um, the three fifths clause into uh, a second-class citizen clause, essentially, right? So, like, you go from slavery to second-class citizenship, um, and so, like, it's yeah, it's, it's 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 terrible that you know. Again, we have this this document that's telling us on face, America is a racist country, the three-fifths clause, right? America was a racist country, the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth amendment, right? And if you look at what's happening today. What's continuing to happen? Um, I mean, yeah, America is continuing to be a racist country. Um, I mean, what, what was it? The president of Harvard just had to resign because there's conservative, you know, folks who are upset at a black woman leading the most prestigious and oldest uni uh, university in in the country. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's completely dishonest. It's very disheartening. Um, but it's consistent with what America is and what it does. And that's, that's where I think like, you know, we have to be, those of us who want to like fight against this, right? Like we have to be real about that. Like this is what America does. They will deny, they will, you know, pretend like this is not an issue, um, in the face of the issue actually happening. Right. Um, I mean, Nikki Haley, it, if she wins, she'll be the, the first woman elected to the presidency. That in and of itself should say something to her, right? Like you're fighting an uphill battle yourself. You would, she would be the first woman of color um, to hold the office. That should be a signal to her, right? Um, and it probably is, but again, because you know she's pandering to who she's pandering to, she has the electorate that she has, and that's what she wants to use to win. She's gonna say the things that they want to hear her say, so we can believe that she's the person for them. What's your thoughts about the tactic 
that MAGA uses. I, and I saw this was, this was on display in the, in the last mayoral election where uh, Paul Vallis, who ran for mayor against Brandon Johnson, was caught on tape uh, talking about how we should not teach the history of... Oh, God, man, this is so twisted. We should not teach like critical race theory uh, in schools uh, and uh, for, have children confront the horrific uh, challenges of past because it would turn black kids against their parents because the kids would be so outraged at their parents for not taking a stand. Uh, and I'm just telling you what these people say. All right. Don't hold me accountable. I'm just the messenger. So it's always like these people are like, we're looking out for black people when we say racism doesn't exist. Do you understand what I'm saying, Joanne? It's like they always package it as though they're looking out for the interest of black people. And I'm like, yes. And that's interesting, right? Because it's like, I'm looking out for the interests of Black people, even though I'm denying the issues that are impacting Black people actually exist. Like, that's, that's like, mind-blowing to even think, like, that that's logical to somebody. Um, I do, I want to touch on critical race theory real quick, though, since you brought it up. So, like, critical race theory, and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm presuming, like, I feel like it's just, it's a political it's like a political tagline now. Um, and I think it's wild because I, I first, I got introduced to critical race theory about 10, 11 years ago um, as I was like leaving the service. I got introduced to Derek Bell's, um, some of his writings and his books. Um, and it really, I mean, the the, the foundation of, of critical race theory really just kind of says like racism is a permanent thing. Um, and in order to overcome it, we have to be real about its impact. That's literally it. So I guess, you know, what you're saying, like folks folks saying that, folks trying to deny the fact that racism even exists, it makes sense for them to like be completely against critical race theory. But I just find it like completely mind blowing because yeah, it's, it's, it's an academic theory, right? Like it's an academic theory. And I mean, we can study all, we study all sorts of theories in school. Like that's what school is for, to review, and discuss and test these different theories, right? Um, but, criti but critical race theory is being tested every single day because we see what's happening every single day. Chicago is still segregated. Still segregated, right? Um, yeah, like the nation is still segregated. We still have segregated schools. The Supreme Court is what it is, right? Like, these are real, th they just overturned Roe v. Wade. Like, these are real life, real life tests, if nothing else, that show us how real critical race theory is. Um, and it's showing us that, you know, the people, the people who are denying it as something that should be taught are literally, literally practicing against it every single day. Um, so yeah, um, I digress. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a form of gas, my home plan is a form of gaslighting. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's, you know, that's, and that's a, uh, I mean, gaslighting is like one of the, one of the dark arts of politics, right? <laughs> you know, just pretend like something isn't happening um, and continue doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know, the sli slight of hand, quick slight of hand. Nobody paying attention. Pretend it's not going on, even though it's going on. Just like while I'm doing it, 
while I'm doing it. While I'm doing it. <laughs> as, as, I'm, as I'm putting on my Ku Klux Klan uh, head uh, piece, just completely deny the fact that, you know, the Klan doesn't exist. There's never been a Klan. What do you mean? Okay. All right. Yeah. And, uh, and somehow or other say, uh, we're doing it for you. That's the yeah, other yeah. We're doing it for yeah, you. We're doing this so you can be better. So. Bananas. It's bananas. It's bananas. Uh, while we're uh, having this conversation, let's go back to a conversation we had uh, way back when. And mm-hmm. uh, you announced, you told me, I don't know if you said on a mic or just in a phone conversation, that you were through with football. Uh, yeah, NFL, yeah, yeah. Uh, because of how uh, Colin Kaepernick was kicked out of the game for taking yeah. a stand against police brutality. Uh, and, uh, he's never been in, I, I, he's never been invited back by any team. I think, I don't think any team has even given him a trial. I may be wrong about that. Maybe one team gave him a trial. I don't know. Uh, but he's never been given a contract. That's for certain. And the bears have had some bums, a quarterback. They could have used Colin Kaepernick. Uh, just saying, uh, and, um, so I saw this bit. Uh, it was on Fox TV, uh, and the um, uh, the New England Patriots just hired uh, a black man as their head coach to face Bill Belichick. Uh, mm-hmm. And the right winger was opining, uh, "Well, he's going to invite. He may invite Colin Kaepernick back." Uh, and then the rest of the people in the panel, I, she just made it up. Okay, I don't even know if Colin Kaepernick, oh, wow. yeah, even wants to play in the NFL anymore. Is in shape to play in the NFL anymore? I don't know. I don't know what it. But she just threw that out there because it was uh, a black man had been named as coach of the Patriots. So the first thing was, oh, he'll invite Colin. Do you think he'll invite Colin Kaepernick back? I don't, uh, I don't think Robert Kraft is going to let that happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's more to it. Although, although, although yeah. if it did happen, yeah. the irony of Colin Kaepernick playing for the Patriots I mean, I, I, I would, I might actually tune in for that. I would probably tune in to see Kaepernick put on a Patriots jersey, um, and I would be praying that he kneeling. I would be praying. First of all, just kneeling the Patriots jersey—that's what it's I mean. Not going to happen. Okay, so let's just—it was this lady speculating, uh, Judge Jean Perot or whatever her name is. Uh, oh. So that's what it was a group of right wingers, MAGA types sitting around a table opining, okay? Uh and uh and that's that's not racist. No, that's <laughs> racism doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, racism uh doesn't exist. Uh no, but um but uh and then it was funny because then the other said their response was no, that'll never happen. And football finally recovered, and this is this is a true sign. Of like, what, one more indication of how our country is divided, uh, and so the reigning view of the folks sitting around the table was that Colin Kaepernick represented a low point uh, in uh, for football because mm. he was um, a villain. Yeah, he trashed he, America, yeah. he and so realized that they were racist. And so, uh, it was. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, and so they were going. Well, they got by, they got beyond that. That would be crazy to go backwards. That's what the re- response was. Defi- yeah. They got kicked him out. 
They did it now. Why bringing it back would just reveal, bring, revive that issue, just mm-hmm. underscoring everything you've just been saying, Juwan. Yeah, yeah. I that's so ass backwards. I'm surprised they even had that conversation. But yeah, I mean, it just again, it highlights you know just where they at, right? Like it highlights the level of racism that you know is embedded within the nation. Um, it's it's very much a part of who we are. It's very much a part of you know, especially who the Republican Party is. Um, that that literally is how they continue going is by using racism um, to you know beat the drum for their voters to come out. Um, using racial difference to you know continue to highlight the us versus them divide. Um, and it's I mean it's always been like that too. I think the the frustration, at least for me anyway, at this particular point is that, you know, we we get to a point, or at least we we move, we take like it's like one step forward and two steps back. That's what it is, right? And I think that's the frustration, at least for me. Um, yeah, it was like I just I'm just thinking back, just America's just the recent political history, right? I mean. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so we elect Barack Obama, then we elect Donald Trump. It's like it's yeah, it's 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 mind blowing. Yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing. even like put that in the context for it. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and then seem uh, seem determined to want to elect Donald Trump again. We'll close with this. Determined, it's, 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 yeah, they had to go find the most, and that's what's wild too, because there are people who are less racist than Trump. Or at least on the face, right? They found the most racist person, like the best representative we can find for white supremacy. We're gonna put him up. That's um, bananas. Yeah, that's why. We'll close with this. The first time you came on my show, you're talking about Chicago votes, the yep. need for people to register and the need people to vote. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of discontent out there. Joanne, a lot of people tell me, what's the point? Uh, I hear this all the time from many different yeah. people. And I know we had this conversation, the same conversation the first time you and I talked. So yeah. in general, uh, how are you viewing it? How do you t- respond to people when they say, what's the point? Why should we vote? Um, I mean, so I'm, I'm going to say this. I I agree with people who protest vote, right? Like, I think... I think, you know, if if your choice is not to, I do think everybody should be registered. I want to emphatically say that, like everybody should be registered at least. But if you choose not to vote, or if you choose to go in and vote third party or write in somebody, um, I mean, I've had elections where I wrote in names, right? Because I didn't want to vote for the candidates who would have. Um, but it is, I think, imperative that folks really review um, the folks who they're voting for. I mean, I think I feel like Biden and Trump's positions on most things are kind of already understood by most folks. Um, And I do think independent and third party candidates are going to play a major role in this upcoming presidential election, just because it was so close the last time. I'm pretty sure it's going to be similarly close this time. Um, But I mean, my encouragement to folks is to, you know, get active. And even and also, that's the other thing. It's not just voting. Right. So it's like, yes, vote or don't vote or protest vote. But also, are you having conversations with your neighbors, right? Um, 
Are you involved in a, a local community organization in some capacity? Um, are you supporting the initiatives you do care about? Um, do you care about uh, ballot initiatives? Maybe that's something, or referendum. Like those are things that folks can still be involved with as well. So like democracy isn't, democrat participation in democracy doesn't start and end with just casting that ballot. There's so much more that folks can do. Um, and that for me is like what my hope exists at and knowing that there's so much work that can be done. Even if we take an L, we still got the capacity and the energy and the ability to organize for a win in the future. And that's why I kind of like try to keep folks at it's like, you know, getting the L right now doesn't mean we can't win tomorrow. Um, and be cognizant of the tools that we have available that can help us get to that win. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of like where I rest that with, with, with folks. Um, yeah, please get registered, everybody. Well, I, I agree with you on the local level. An L today does not mean uh, you can't get a W tomorrow. Uh, on the national level, and I've got, we'll, we'll end where we began with what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar tried to warn us about in today's column. There's, there is a threat to democracy. Yeah. So Donald Trump took the L in 2020, and he tried to use to coerce people into turning that into a W. <laughs> uh, and uh, I have no doubt that he will uh, do the same this time uh, if he doesn't. Yeah. Get the actual W. And by the way, he will never get a majority of the vote in this country, ladies and gentlemen. It'll be that crazy electoral college, which is itself a legacy of slavery. A vestige of slavery. Yeah, yes. a vestige of slavery, right? Which ensures that the three-fifths, those yes. three-fifths of slaves, when they were counted, their vote goes to the person who owns them. So we get a, a southern, the southern, uh, southern states have this um, disproportionate representation in Congress, which is one of the reasons they were able to like keep slavery in place for so long, right? Because of this disproportionate representation that happened as a result of owning people um, and owning the franchise, you know what I'm saying, in respect of that individual. Um, so yeah, yes, it's bananas. We definitely gotta, we need more democracy. Gotta change the electoral college. We need a direct vote for president. We definitely need that. Completely agree. Completely agree with that point. That's a good point. Is I need to close down the conversation. Juwan, thank you very much. Uh, and, me. Uh, yes, it's a blast talking to you always. always. Uh, maybe I'll convince you to come to a Bulls game with me. Maybe beg you and plead you, you'll come to a Bulls game. And <laughs> maybe yes, only, if, only if we can, only if we can set up a meeting with Ryan's afterward and like talk about, uh, Getting Jordan back to end the curse. <laughs> I can guarantee you that is not happening anytime soon. Although that would be pretty funny. You, me, and Jerry Reinsdorf. I mean, <laughs> break. I think. I think. I think he would. I think he'd like talking to us. Why not? We're so charming and delightful, Jerry Reinsdorf. Uh, and uh, yes. Yeah, so okay, I'll, that sounds like a good plan. We'll meet. You name the restaurant. We'll go to the restaurant after the game. We'll no, he got to pick the restaurant. We pick it or he picks it? No, nah, he got he gonna pick the restaurant. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You named oh, the restaurant, okay. uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. We'll all meet. We'll talk. We'll discuss. The first step will be buying the mansion. So buying poor Michael doesn't have that that mansion for sale. All right, that's the great Juwan Hall, and uh, thank you very much for taking time to Thanks, talk man. to me.
Yeah, so that's what I think. Producer Chris, he does an outstanding job. Do you want to agree with me when I say, hey, Producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, columns from Ben Jarofsky. You can keep your finger on the pulse of the city of Chicago just by hanging out at chicagoreader.com. Follow Ben on Instagram at Benny J Show and like, subscribe, and follow the Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms. find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.